on this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. Is Google getting worse? YouTube has a new way to promote products in a specific vertical. New formats, tools, and reports for LinkedIn advertisers you've just got to see to believe. All on today's show. Welcome, you are listening to Marketing O'Clock, just stay tuned. Digital marketing news, but let's get specific. Digital ads, SEO and analytics, social media and more. Pretty much everything that'll make your website perform. New shows every Friday. We'll give you the news with sass and puns and definitely high takes. Thank you for tuning in. You know what time it is. It's officially marketing o'clock. Settle in, sit back, keep it locked. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. I'm Kathleen Hagelberger. AKA K Bergs. And I'm Jess Bud. And it's officially marketing o'clock. Here on Friday, November 25th, 2022. Welcome, everybody, and welcome, Kayberg. Hey. Thank you. This is my first show with you. Yes. I think last oh, yeah. time I was out and you were filling in for me and did a fabulous job. That was Thank ladies' you. night. I was very excited to have you here, Kayberg. Yeah, I'm excited too. On our annual Thanksgiving show, which we've hit every, I think, four years in a row, five yeah. years almost. We've not missed a holiday. Never. We are amazing. Nope. So, Jess, what's going on with you? Um, speaking of amazing, the youth vote is in on YouTube Shorts. They don't like them. I was scrolling YouTube on my television with my son. He bases everything off of thumbnails, and he saw a really cool thumbnail, and I knew it was a short, but I clicked it for him, and he just goes, make it bigger. Weird. I know. I was so proud of him, but then I was like sad I couldn't do anything for him, but it's just, just like vertical. Like It doesn't make sense on a television at all. We know this. We've talked about it at length, but three-year-olds don't like it. But it, now, though, it's a mobile version tastefully curated for your TV. Literally not, though. It's so The exact opposite. So ridiculous. Nobody likes it, not even the youngest, coolest people on the planet. So, sorry. I I agree. I'm thankful for your son's take on that. (laughs) And I'm also thankful to all of our amazing listeners. We couldn't do the show without you. We have the world's best power listeners. It's not even close. Uh, And one thing that I think we're all really, really proud about is in Buffalo, there was obviously a horrific shooting, and we jumped, and friends, friends of the show too, friends, stay thankful for the friends. We called on a bunch of folks and had a Oops All Heck episode where we shot the heck with uh, just a lot of people in the digital marketing realm, and we raised a lot of money that we uh, donated to the National Compassion Fund. So overall, we received from the community uh, $3,073.31 of which we matched uh, $3,073.31. <laughs> so the total was $6,146.62. Some of that money came from a donor advised fund, so we just matched that. So um, all in, that money, again, goes to uh, a nonprofit, uh, Great Ratings, National Compassion Fund, and they do a lot of things that help victims as well. So if you're looking for a great place to donate, check it out, check the reviews, and big thank you to everyone here, not just for listening, but also for donating and just being here. Even all the kind words, we just are so thankful for you all. Retweet. All right, let's get into the news. Jess, what do you have first up this week? All right. LinkedIn, just sticking with the Thanksgiving theme here, they are giving B2B marketers some things to be thankful for. We're talking new measurement capabilities, brand safety tools, ad formats, and 
Personally, what I'm most grateful for is that all of this was announced at their inaugural B2B marketing summit that they decided to call B2B Leave. <laughs> I just think that that is so cheesy. It's amazing. B2 Bravo, LinkedIn. Excellent. <laughs> I hope you call it that again next year. Don't let anybody tell you to change it. All right. So to break down the new shiz, a revenue attribution report is coming and the article actually describes it. The article is not from LinkedIn. It was summarizing things that were said at the summit. Um, bonus content, if you want to watch a recording of that, we can. you just have to share a little personal details about yourself, like your name and email. Um, we'll have a link to that in the show notes if you want to watch the whole thing. But the article describes it as a new measurement platform. So it sounds like maybe more than just one report or at least something that's somewhat configurable or interactive. We'll see. No matter what it is, it's going to be better than nothing. So I'm really excited about that. A pretty big deal also is the brand safety hub. It'll provide advertisers insights into where they can and are serving ads, um, as well as a list of third-party publishers that can help scale B2B campaigns. And this is the key piece for me, at least. Users can prioritize specific types of content that align with their brand and employ a range of custom controls to find out where their impressions are being delivered across the LinkedIn audience network. So I know I don't personally use that a ton, but I think if I had some more control, I'd be more open to testing it. So that is really, really cool. Another big thing, they're rolling out titles, descriptions, and tags for LinkedIn articles and newsletters to help improve their searchability outside of the platform, make them easier to find, which I think is great. And they're also working on improving their own internal product search functionality. So lots of stuff going on there. New ad formats are coming click to message ads. A user can literally click on the ad and start a conversation with the brand. BFF of the show, Andrea Cruz, was really excited about this one. And hey, girl, I am too. It's such a great signal. If somebody clicks on an ad because they want to talk to you, if we could make audiences out of that, like that could be amazing. So hopefully that's coming. But just in general, I like that format. Conversation starter ads. Prioritize paid mes messages to users to only surface the messages that are most relevant to them. That's a quote from the article. I don't know how it's going to work, but maybe it's some kind of like dynamic copy play, which could be really cool. And uh, promoted employee posts. So if an employee posts something to a company page, you'll be able to then boost that essentially, which again, I think is really cool. It humanizes your brand a little bit and puts real humans behind the company. I love all of these things. So we'll see as they roll out. No complaints there though. What you got, Greg? All right. YouTube is testing shopping features and an affiliate program for shorts. Sorry to your son, <laughs> Jess. Um, it's a, there, there's two different ways that you can do it. Obviously, if you sell your own product is one way, or if you are linking to other products there. So right now to be eligible for this, it's pretty similar to longs where you have to have, uh, to, for the affiliates if you're going to promote products from other brands you have to approve for monetization right now it's only brazil india the uk the us you have to have more than twenty thousand subscribers and you can't be a music channel and you can't be made for kids so and if you have any strikes for hate speech child safety violence dangerous dangerous or suicide and self-harm community guideline strikes so basically you can't be naughty and you'll be approved and for your own products, it's a little bit more lax. You have to be in a YouTube partner program that's available. You need to have a, a thousand subscribers and again, not made for kids and a bunch of the other stuff there too. So this will allow you, if you have an affiliate link for some great pants, you can sell those on shorts now, or if you sell your own pants, you can do that <laughs> as well. Uh, it just seems like still, I don't get why it's still 60 seconds. 
Like it seems I, I it's all I like the fact that you can you can fast forward. That's nice. Yeah. I don't like the reels aspect where you can't fast forward. It makes me despise watching video content on Instagram. I've never heard I, you say that before. I use it so much less. But hey, at least you can sell something, make it quick, 60 seconds. So there you go. In organic news this week, the host of the Freakonomics podcast, Stephen J. Dubner, released an episode this past week where he interviewed several experts, including current and former Googlers, about the quality of search and his episode titled, Is Google Getting Worse? Love that title. <laughs> yes. Also, if you listen to this, I recommend it. 1.6x speed. Yes. It was very That's good, aggressive. though. I listened to it at the regular speed, and I feel like it still went by pretty quick. Okay. But some of the key points from his episode were when asking Marissa Mayer, who was one of Google's first software engineers, if Google is getting worse, she says, why is the web getting worse? And her argument is basically that Google is just a window into the web and that there's a lot of economic incentive in society for misinformation, I can clicks, answer. and for purchases. I have the answer for this. They don't have any kind of good social indicators towards what's popular. That's why Google's getting worse. They're so reliant on links. That should be the right answer, right? Like if they had Twitter, well, I guess they have some Twitter stuff, mm -hmm. but if let's say that Google Plus actually worked, they'd have all sorts of information that aren't link reliant. That's yeah. Why. No, that's true. And ads. They have ads everywhere. Mm -hmm. Do a search on mobile. No, and she said too, as a result, Google is more like hesitant, basically from her reasoning, to send Ugh. users out into the web, hence the increase in snippets, which is meant to keep searchers on Google. What a lovely spin. I'm trying to protect you. Yes. Yeah. Keep us safe. Gross. So Stephen also interviewed Liz Reed, who's the current vice president of search, and he made a comment to her that he recently feels like Google is providing him more information around buying something if he's searching for a topic versus just if he wants to research that topic. So he commented on an increase in search results provided by Google and how they aren't very good. And he basically compared some of the Google-generated search results to a high school newspaper that's just trying its best. So I can agree with that. I've tried to watch some of those like little videos that they have show up in the mobile app. They're not very good. So I can agree with that statement. Reed says this content wasn't created algorithmically. It's from high-quality providers vetted by Google. But she did not give any details on who those high-quality providers are. I, I just like that Dubner is like, oh, I went to go see the Premier League. I clicked on the listing. I clicked again. I clicked again. I clicked again. I'm not at the Premier League. And I just want, I think he said, my intent is to get to the source. And clearly, that is not the intent of what Google and, and Liv or, or whatever was, was, was mentioning. Liz. Liz. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then she came back and said, oh, well, that's your intent, but not everyone's intent. But I think most people, if they want the Premier League, want the Premier League. If you're looking for scores, it's different than the Premier League. Yes. Yeah. She also said that people care about depth in terms of content. But they also care about speed, and Google is trying to find that balance between both types of users by providing these results like right in the search. And that's a valid point to mm -hmm. what she was saying. She's like, some people just want the scores. Cool. Yeah. So very interesting. Definitely check it out and give it a listen. And a couple other things that I love from it is at one point, uh, uh, Marissa Mayer was saying that she had coded. It sounded like she did it herself. She was an employee 20 at Google, and she had said that she did an A-B test to see about how people interact with Google, if there's ads and if there's not ads. And 99% of people got ads and 1% didn't have ads and they forgot about this A-B test. 
and they said it was the longest, I think this is the quote, the longest running A-B test on the internet. And so some advertisers were calling up being like, why won't my ad show? And they were, show, they were in this grouping of like, don't show my ads. And this is my absolute favorite part. They're like, well, then we analyzed the data and the people that got the ads performed three times as many searches than the people that didn't get the ads. So, so what I would say is that clearly they didn't find what they were looking for. Yeah. They need more searches. They didn't like what they saw. Their response was people liked Google even more because they did more searches. They used it more. Get out of here. <laughs> I swear to God. First yeah. of all, you forgot you were running a test. <laughs> Great job. That's insane. Yeah. So anyway, if you have any thoughts on this, I would recommend it, Freakonomics. And you can call in. It, it's usually slower on the holidays. Call.markandclock.com. Anybody can call in anytime you want. And we'll play some voicemails based off of what you think from it. Um, there is, it, It's very a lot of different interesting parts of this this podcast. I am floored by that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they're just they're Googling more because they love it. No, they didn't find what they were looking for. People that didn't get ads searched because maybe they found what they were looking That's for. That's the point. This window is stained glass. It's broken. Quora. Quora? Quora? Quora. I, I would say quote with a Q-U-O. So I, I feel like I should say Quora, but that is the worst thing I've ever said. Anyway. They're that, all actually wrong. They've got to be, right? It's probably like... Quora. Quora? Quora? I've been saying Quora for years, <laughs> and I really... It sounds like a perfume. I think it's wrong. It's got to be Quora. Um, anyway, they are rolling out video ads, which is a really, really big deal. Is it? Do people use Quora? Yeah. The people that do. do are inundated with text. If you're an early adopter with this, you are going to surprise people and be seen. I, it may become oversaturated if too many people use this, but I think for now, it is a big deal. And also, it's a learning platform, so a lot of people prefer to be shown, not told. It's a great opportunity. Test it. Um, video length, 6 to 30 seconds, so not much to do there. They have 16 different CTAs you can pair it with. It does look like you can also add some custom text above it. And there's also CPC bidding in addition to CPV. So I, if they run an ad that tells me how to pronounce their platform, I'll be really excited. But I, I think this is really cool. I appreciate that they're trying to do something new. A lot of people already have video assets. Again, nobody's doing it yet. This just rolled out. So try it. If it doesn't work for you, fine. But I, I love that they're trying new things. So thank you. Now it's time for this week's Take of the Week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions. We don't influence. You make the call. And this week's take of the week comes from the one and only Timothy J. Jensen on Twitter. Tim Jensen, hashtag MT Bank, hashtag Albany, New York. I just added those in. What Tim actually tweeted out was new to LinkedIn ads, a recommendation section. Curious to see what they surface here and if anything will be more helpful than, quote, raise your bids, end quote, PPC chat. I sure hope so. I feel like LinkedIn is going to be helpful. They're not going to just be like, raise it. Although, you never know. They They've been have... sneakily saying that this whole time, like your bids are too low. Yeah. But yeah, maybe they'll have that and more helpful things. I have high hopes. I, I be to believe in them. I see what you did there, and I like it. Thank you, Tim. Now it's time for this week's I See Why Am I. I see why am I, people. This is something you just might not have seen. 
Maybe something that you overlooked, but you shouldn't have. All right. And this week's ICYMI comes from Erica at Erica with a K, J O underscore Y O, E R I K A J O underscore Y O. And Erica had started a very good thread on Twitter about B2B ad scheduling, specifically for Google Ads on holidays. Yay or nay is what she said. So if you're interested in getting a lot of takes, you may have missed this from Erica, but you shouldn't have. And PPC Greg is hopping in. He doesn't think it's necessary. He says it's probably less people searching, but doesn't make them any less valuable. Melissa Mackey at Beyond the Paid on Twitter, who is all over B2B, says it's a hard nay. Volume will go down, but we still get leads on holidays. Often it's the only time busy executives have to do searches and produce leads. So if you want that and more, there's a bunch more replies. Uh, thank you, Erica, for asking that question and for getting a bunch of different feedback as well. Now it's time for this week's Pew Pew Lightning Round. At this point in the show, we split up our content into three parts. Paid, organic, and social. All right. And first up in the paid lightning round, I love that I'm here. You, in this is a treat. Lightning round. This is just, this is where we really need the positivity here. So I'm here. I'm going to do my best shop here <laughs> on the show. All right. So first up is a tweet from Bastion at Bastion31 on Twitter. And Bastion says, my new record on the search terms of a search campaign, 36 clicks visible on 303 clicks, i.e. 12% of search terms are visible. To which PBC Greg said, that's criminal. Can I ask what industry? Bastion said it's B2B. So may seem like we're getting less search data. So get it while you can, people, and save it for future use. Build those negatives out while you can still see something. All right, and from PPC Greg, ever heard of him? Uh, and, and Jenny Marvin at Ads Liaison on Twitter. Chip's going to be so mad. I, that was a great... Thank you. It's an, an homage. homage. Yes. All right. So PPC Greg said, anyone know how long a user stays in a, quote, people who search for any of these terms on Google, unquote, custom segment? And Jenny responded by saying, hi, Greg, the period can vary depending on the keyword to ensure advertisers reach users with high intent. We look at both real-time queries and recent queries. So there's no answer really, but thank you, Jenny, for the answer. And Jenny, we trust. That was a good shop too. You kind of flubbed your words a little bit. Oh, sorry, that's shop. you. Wow. <laughs> Take all that ire and put it all that way towards sorry, Josh. Sorry, love you, miss you. <clears throat> all right, next up is a tweet from Mike Rhodes at the Google guy on Twitter. Mike says, at Ads Liaison, Sirius PMAX question for you, Ginny. How can the total impressions from all listing groups be significantly more than the total impressions for the entire campaign? I'm looking at the past 30 days and seeing this pattern in multiple accounts. I'm confused. And Ginny has a banger of an answer this time. She says, hi, Mike, good question. This can happen because listing groups report at the product level. If multiple products shown in an ad, each of the products will count as an impression but the campaign will report just one ad impression. So you get more product impressions, but it's really within one ad, it's sort of the gallery format of it. So that's why you may see more product impressions than ad impressions. Makes sense. Something that didn't make sense to Chris Ridley at C underscore J underscore Ridley on Twitter says, is anyone else's performance max campaign a barefaced liar? 
your campaign hasn't received impressions since the 16th of November, despite the campaign nearly receiving 21,000 impressions on the 16th of November and every day since. To which Ginny, all-star of the show this week, responded and said, I can replicate and I'll pass this along. And then says it should be all set then. So Ginny listened to Chris and figured this out. Oh, I feel like Chris now is like a mortal enemy of ours, right? Isn't what? it U.S. versus England? Tables. Oh. Are we playing Chris in the football? Yeah, yeah we're playing him. Is it when this drops? Yes. Friday? Okay. Well, I think we won. If you're listening to it now, good win, USA. Yeah, Sorry, okay. Chris, for the loss, but thank you for pointing this out to Ginny, and Ginny, thank you as well. Go USA. All right, from Tom Goodwin, at Tom F. Goodwin on Twitter. He says, everyone I know in marketing slash ads seems utterly exhausted and just about hanging on and totally burned out and only coping by doing the minimum they can. It's like the world is grinding to a halt. I hope everyone's okay. I wonder what many possible things is causing this. That's bleak. I know. True, I, but bleak. Come over here. I feel like every, are you burnt, are you all burnt out? I'm not on marketing. I feel like this is yeah. a general, like, human experience. Well, yeah. that part, yeah. Yeah. I mean, who are you talking to over here, right? But, mar like, marketing ads, fun. It's just about the only joy I have left. Call, give us a call. Yeah. Are you burnt out? Call .marketingclock.com. Okay, from Alfred Simon at Alfred Simon on Twitter. He says, hey, hashtag PPC chat. There's conversion and click and other metrics data available in discovery campaigns on the asset level. Hope this will soon come to Pmax. It Last time I checked, it is not for every discovery campaign. We talked about it about a month and a half ago. Many discovery campaigns have it. If you do have it, use it. Look at the creative assets. You can actually see what's converting. So um, remember, some people have it, some people don't, at least last time I checked. All right. And Google is back with another case of f you in particular. And this week, it's f you, Lauren. Uh, Odie Caspi says, Bad news for all the Laurens of the world. <laughs> hashtag Google ads, hashtag PPC. And his ads are eligible and limited because there's the term Lauren in the text. Contains Lauren. That's so sad. What was it the week before? Was it get? Yes. Right? Yeah, I think, yeah, something so, now, so simple. It's a Lauren. And now I'm going to do my best shop here as well. We've got Tales from PPC Reddit. And tables, let's throw some spooky music in that too. This comes from No Apricot, three thousand eight hundred eighty-eight. Three thousand eight hundred eighty-seven must have been taken. They say, "Hi everyone, I manage Google Ads accounts. I've got a handful of situations where I need to open support tickets for resolution. I want to give everyone a warning. They're seeing auto apply assets without any automation being enabled anywhere in the account. They're saying their ads are being held on the back end after being flagged for policy violation, then approved, and they're saying." Google reps were saying it was keyword quality and not. And then the third thing they noticed is Google reps are making changes with the client on the phone without informing them, which is yikes. And I saw some other stuff. Another listener of the show sent me a couple of messages they had with uh, Teleperformex or whoever it is that, that runs all the Google sales side of things, touting how important optimization score was for their ad rank. So again, just be careful. You need to now, if you run an account for Google ads, you need to proactively tell your client that when they get a call from Google, they need to avoid it. It's not actually Google. And if they take the call, they need to say, are they who play, who is the name on your paycheck? Is it Teleperformance 
or is it Google? Hmm. And we're supposed to be looking at our change history now proactively just to make sure nobody's in there? The, it, on the phone, Crazy. ridiculous. Anyway, next up over on Reddit from STJ Duke, they say, Google Ads, how to is a negative keyword in my list. But how to start a cleaning business triggered my ad yesterday, WTF. There's something you might want to just look at. There was some speculation in there. I didn't think it ever got resolved. But somebody was saying if it's not exactly that match there, so if it's how dash two or if it's how to one word, that might have caused it. But just vet your negative keyword list, maybe take another look. They are really trying to ramp up where you show. And that's another thing that performance max is taking away from us. We have less search terms, as I talked about and reported about earlier. It's a hot disaster over there. Hot pile of crap. It's from a butt. <laughs> that one's for video uh, video watchers only. <laughs> right. And from Sophie Logan at Marketing Soph, they say, because in one account you choose pages which no longer exist and didn't include descriptions with selected content which was suitable at all to be a site link. Basically, she saw these dynamic site links turned on and was complaining about how hidden this setting actually is. She's got a screenshot of it. And the thing I love, Sophie, I believe, is a power listener of the show. And she shares out uh, Shep's article from earlier this year about how you can turn off automated extensions over on our Cypress North blog. So check it out. You can go see all the notes over on community.marketingclock.com or marketingclock.com forward slash newsletter. All right. And lastly here from Tenuity, shout out Andrea Cruz, shout out Brett Badofsky. There is three trends across Google, Meta, and Amazon so far in Q4 here this season. And they talk about Facebook CPM not picking up steam like last year, prime early access sale hangover wearing off for Amazon advertisers, and that Amazon has not yet ramped up its Google shopping presence, but Target and Walmart have. So there's a lot of great information that you can pick from over there. Check it out. To oh, pick from there. Last week, Treaded Water, three and three. I'm 34, 23, and one on the year. And it's going to be too late by the time this comes out, but I'm Lions, nine, plus nine and a half. I've got the Saints, plus nine and a half. I love the nine and a half this week. Titans, plus two and a half. That's my game of the week. New York Giants, plus 10. Give me the points. I got the Denver Broncos. I, I, I can't figure out this Panthers team that anybody cares. It's a holiday. I can talk longer. Yeah. Every time I bet against the Panthers or for them, I lose. So take this with a grain of salt. But I got the Broncos minus one and a half, and I have the over on that game on 36. That's it. And paid what's happening in organic, here, Bird. So first up in organic this week, according to a Search Engine Land article written on November 17th by Barry Schwartz, some of the new Google search features announced at the Search On event that happened back in September started launching this past week. So they include, but are not limited to, the ability to find food through multi-search by taking a picture of food you want to eat with Google Lens and searching for it with the search term near me. Oh. If you got a pic- if you got it in front of you to take a photo, just eat it. Yeah, that's what I don't get. <laughs> but maybe if you want a different one, that one's not good. Give me a different burger. Yeah. yeah. I saw a great recipe for an avocado and cocoa uh, mousse. This feature is only available in English for users in U.S. mobile search results only. And you can also now search for specific dishes that may be available at some restaurants by typing in, say, mashed potatoes near me, 
And then Google will show you restaurants nearby that have mashed potatoes on the menu with the prices. So this feature right now is only available for English speech speakers in the U.S. on mobile or in the Google app on both Android and iOS. And shopping for shoes and makeup is now easier than ever. We already covered the shoes in last week's episode, but Google did release more details on the 17th about this new AR feature, saying that any brand with 3D assets for sneakers or home goods is now eligible to participate by providing a link to their 3D hosted model in Manufacturer Center. And I would love to test this out on Croc Heels once Crocs are an eligible brand. Pardon me? Wait, what? Croc Heels, you've never seen them? Never. Okay. Certainly not on you. Well, they're really expensive. They sell them on Balenciaga. They're normally $625. What? But for the low, low price of $375, they could be yours, which is an absolute steal. That is a a big discount. Yes. Are they are they Crocs brand? Yeah, here I can tilt my laptop. We need to see this. Yeah, yeah, they're beautiful. Not really. Those are exactly what I thought they were, and they're disgusting. I know, but I'd love to try them on my feet in augmented reality. So <laughs> don't put your feet that. on the. Would you wear papers. Croc heels? Probably not. Okay. but just in the virtual world, I can pretend. So <laughs> users shopping for makeup products can now try foundation on over 150 different models with various skin tones genders, face shapes, and more. And I was able to replicate this for Maybelline's Fit Me Matte and Poreless Foundation. (laughs) And according to the different models, it looks like my color might be soft sand. So that's good to know. I probably won't be buying that, but. That's actually really helpful. The point of foundation is to not look like you're wearing any. So if it helps you before you go to the store, that's actually kind of nice. I've always said that. It'd be better though (laughs) if you could somehow use like Google Lens on your own face. And that would be like, oh, according to your face, you need this foundation. That would be better. But this is mashed potatoes near me, and it just on your face. (laughs) It'd be perfect. So for more cool new Google search updates, read the article. Google launches new search, shopping, and maps features by Barry Schwartz. And that was in Search Engine Land. Love you, Barry. Power listener. Thankful for Barry. Yes. Always. And according to a separate article, also written by Barry Schwartz in Search Engine Land, Google has published. Ever heard of them? (laughs) Chef. Google has published a new help document to help us make sense of the more notable ranking systems the search engine has deployed over the years. And it details which systems are currently in use and no longer use in Google Search. So this document is called A Guide to Google Search Ranking Systems, and it provides details on systems currently in use like RankBrain, the product review system, BERT, and more. And it also shares details on ranking systems that have since been retired, such as Hummingbird and the Panda system. And Marie Haynes, at Marie underscore Haynes on Twitter, shared a link to the guide announcement in a recent post. And in the announcement, Google says, and I'm paraphrasing, but in the past, the term update has often been used as the name of a particular ranking system, especially when a new system has been introduced. For example, our system to measure page experience was called the page experience update, This can be confusing when we make improvements to systems, especially if a system is constantly operating like our helpful content system. A helpful content update update or an update to our helpful content update is difficult to say, much less understand. So Google says that moving forward, they'll explain things like helpful content updates as updates to the respective systems, such as the helpful content system and they'll be refreshing their help pages to reflect this new terminology. In response to this, Cyrus at Cyrus Shepard on Twitter tweeted an important reminder to us all in response to the release of this new information. And he says, and I'm paraphrasing him, 
but it seems like a good time to remind folks that while the info Google reveals about its algorithms is cool, Googlers are, in fact, incentivized and restricted never to reveal the whole truth. He then shared a screenshot of what looks like an internal document that reads, while we want to be really transparent about how search works, we also have to be careful not to reveal too much detail that would allow people to game our search results and degrade the system for everyone. So, no, duh. I mean, they're not going to do that. Yeah. <clears throat> that, that, that tweet, you, you can't say, here's how it works. Right. Yeah. No, and he goes on to say that if you do want to figure out what like a source of truth would be when it comes to Google search, you should combine the statements released by Google with the patent filings and evidence like historical data and experimentation. And what's in your head. Just do a good job. And, and what you would do if you were a search engine. I know that Google doesn't get do what you would it, do. But if you've got good listings that get clicks under other things, that would make sense if you're a search engine. Like just treat things like the way you would do everything the right way, build the best content, all that stuff. It's good life advice too. Yeah. Always put your users first. And among other information about Google search released this week, Google also shared on November 21st that they've added a new spam policy detailing policy circumvention. So basically, if you try to circumvent Google's spam or content policies, Google will restrict or remove your eligibility for some search features like top stories and discover or remove the content from showing up in search altogether. This is pretty self-explanatory, but if you're out there plotting to circumvent any Google spam policies, please don't do it. And for more information about the new policy, you can check out Barry Schwartz's article, Google Search Adds New Spam Policy, Policy Circumvention in Search Engine Land. So Barry Schwartz once again shared on SE Roundtable this time that the last batch of sites still being indexed via desktop indexing will be moved over to mobile-first indexing soon. John Mueller, at John Mew on Twitter, shared this. Oh, no, he's on Mastodon now. Okay. Well, he's on, he's on oh, yeah. both, I guess. Yeah. Go get a PhD and jump on Mastodon. Okay. Noted. but he shared this information in response to someone asking if they should be concerned that their site was still being indexed via the desktop googlebot crawler and to answer that question he says no unless your site has serious issues on mobile in which case you do not need to be concerned but this mobile first indexing initiative started over six years ago so this migration has been a long time in coming and there is no set date but just expect it to be happening soon like if people were pregnant when this started and now they're kids in first grade. Yeah. This is the longest thing that's ever happened. Ever. Ever. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. It's been a while. Move over, evolution. <laughs> <laughs> Charles Darwin's rolling in his grave. Is he dead? He's dead. No, he's still with us. <laughs> okay. Wix announced new SEO settings to help site owners better manage technical SEO for their pages from one page, or no, sorry, one place, according to Roger Monty. Martini Buster! Research and Journal, excuse me. Previously, users were able to apply technical SEO settings to an entire section of a website or a selected group of pages. Now, he says, and I'm paraphrasing him, users can do the same thing from the SEO settings at a page-by-page level without having to jump around to the page itself. So this is very convenient for Wix site owners, and this change applies to factors like meta tags, title tags, structured data, indexing status, and more. And the settings have currently rolled out in English, but they will soon be available in other languages. And if you want to learn more about these changes, you can read the article from Search Engine Journal linked in the show notes. Glenn Gabe, at Glenn Gabe on Twitter, shared in a post that just about every plan to monetize Alexa has failed. So... 
Um, the article that he shared was originally published in Ars Technica. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Is that Ars? Yeah. Era? Okay. Ars Technica. And it says that of the 10,000 jobs being eliminated by Amazon this year, the Amazon Alexa voice assistant unit is one of the hardest hit. Good. They suck. They're awful. All they try to do is get you on Amazon Music. That's like their only monetization plan. They don't try to make it helpful. They don't try to make it better. They should all be ashamed. Yes. And a lot of them might be unemployed now. Well, that stinks. <laughs> you should hopefully, hopefully they all land somewhere nice. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Twitter. Twitter's hiring now. Hiring again. Yeah, that could work. Okay, next up in tweets, Glenn Gabe, at Glenn Gabe on Twitter, shared something from John that he posted on Mastodon, and he said, is con- it is content that's meant to be tightly connected to the main site, then put it on the main site. If you want the content to stand on its own, then a subdomain is a good match. So he originally shared a post that Barry Schwartz shared linking it to an article in SE Roundtable about John Mueller's comments about subdomains versus putting content on the main site. There's also like technical reasons to have a subdomain. So sure. yeah, assess the situation fully. Yep. And if you're curious about that, you can read the original article. And next up, Glenn Gabe also shared a link to a study that was done by Joy Hawkins at Sterling Sky, where she tried to get to the bottom of how Google reviews determines which reviews to show at the top. The default is set to most relevant, but it's really unclear what most relevant actually means. So to start testing this, she looked to see if Google looks for diversity in reviews, and diversity means a mix of one star, five star, et cetera reviews, just to get an overall sense of the business. And she looked at businesses in the lawn care, jewelry, marketing, and handyman industries. What? What a, what a <laughs> diverse portfolio. Yeah. I think the lawn, lawn care, care and jewelry. <laughs> Lawn care was her client, so I think it started there, and then she started looking into the other industries as well. But she would go in every month and see what reviews were at the top, and noted if the order of the reviews changed, and if there's anything else interesting that she noticed. And although her original theory was that Google wants diversity in its reviews, she found that Google does not weigh one-star reviews more, and although one-star reviews did stay at the top for more days than five-star reviews, it wasn't by very much, four-star reviews actually stayed at the top longer than both. So we'll have to wait for her next blog post to see what theories she tests next. But definitely keep an eye on that and wait for that to come out. And in YouTube news, Neil Mohan, at Neil Mohan on Twitter, shared that users can now view and interact with comments while watching YouTube on their smart TVs or game consoles. We don't want to do that from our couch. I, I couldn't disagree with you more. I was watching a video on YouTube last night. I couldn't get to comments because it hasn't rolled out to me. I had to pull the same video up on my phone to read the comments. I enjoy seeing reactions to certain parts of videos. I love it. I love this feature. This is what they should be doing. You're serious? They should be bringing YouTube to the TV, not trying to take everything that's the good part of YouTube, the community aspect, getting rid of it, making one minute. No, 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 no. I want to see what people are saying about this video right now on my TV. I don't want to have two screens for the same video just to see comments. Well, That's a valid point, I guess. Yeah, I think it's nice if you just want to see the comments, but if you do want to reply or post a comment, you still need your phone. You don't want your remote doing that. But you don't need to, though. You don't need it. Like, there are, a lot of times you'll watch something and you just want to see, like, the, like we'll watch, I'll send you something, like, feel good and be like, the comments add context to it. It's almost like a second screen within your main YouTube screen. I love the YouTube comments. If it, obviously, the, 
it's there are terrible ones out there too. Sure. But being able to see how people perceive a certain aspect, especially when it's something live, it's a podcast, it's a show, or something like that, is really helpful. This is a huge thing. This is a step in the right direction and a big step. More people will use YouTube because of this. That is all valid. I'm going to have to get up off the couch and walk up to my television to read any of it. You that. could also go to a doctor. <laughs> right? Like you could go to somebody competent and get a prescription that fit your head. I have prescription lenses. I'm not wearing they them don't when I'm watching. work. <laughs> When's the last time you went to an op- ophthalmologist? I go once a year. Are they drunk when you go? I am. <laughs> And other, that's okay. And other YouTube news, this was shared by Glenn Gabe, but apparently YouTube created a 67 slide deck about how to podcast on the platform with best practices around planning, packaging, publishing, promotion, channel management, and more for your podcast on YouTube. So, we were in 63 of the pages, actually. <laughs> wow. It's how not to do things. <laughs> And finally, Business Insider published an article titled Googlers are making memes to deal with the looming threat of job cuts, which is really depressing. But it's Business Insider, so take it with a grain of salt. Probably there's no memes. If Business Insider says something, it's probably absent. I can't confirm if there were memes because there was a paywall, so I couldn't get very far. (laughs) But another article this morning that was released by Business Standard, they said that Alphabet is gearing up to lay off as many as 10,000 employees. And this comes after many other big tech companies have already announced layoffs, so this probably isn't a huge surprise to Googlers. But this past week, activist investor TCI urged Alphabet's CEO to get costs under control and said that Alphabet has too many employees that are paid too much. So sad. it's a sad note to end off organic this week. Uh, first up in social, Matt Navarra tweeted a screenshot from TikTok with a giant finger emoji pointing at what looks like a new feature. It looks like they're adding search shortcuts to the bottom of videos. And there's you're, you're lightening and lightening things up. Like, what is the search uh, that this pointing to? <laughs> Russian missile strikes on Poland. This isn't lighting us lightening us up, Jess. I never do. Uh, anyway, I have not been able to replicate this because I only look at TikToks in my browser when links are sent to me, and I don't think that they've rolled that out because all they want me to do is download the app. So, I don't know. There's there's something for you if you're interested in searching for depressing news. We have no idea how this really works or if it's for all videos. It could be if you're looking at a piece of content and there's you could search for more. I think that that's helpful. So, and they they've been fine. people now say like a lot. There was a bunch of studies out there where showing the increase in people using TikTok as their search engine or as a place that they go to search for news. For news, yeah, that's yep. a good and point. This element where you can then jump and create searches easier is only going to expedite that. Yeah. All right. Due to shenanigans last week with the source that shall not be named, this next story was given to me in the form of a PDF that I actually had to read, Greg. I can't give you the the. the, the the notes on it anymore. Well, I know better now. I won't do it again. Stop making me read 15 pages. I didn't. I read like six. Use the original source. The, the source for this, I believe, was Business Insider. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> um, okay. Um, 
It's an e-marketer influencer marketing report. Key takeaways here. There are tons, like I said, 15 pages. Some of them are redundant, but check this out if you're at all interested in the influencer marketing landscape. What I took away from it is that TikTok is projected, according to their math, to overtake Facebook this year as um, far as influencer spending share and should overtake YouTube by 2024. They did say that Instagram is and will continue to dominate throughout those years. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Again, they did research. I did not. But based on my gut feeling, I just feel like it's because a lot of us are still more comfortable, us being marketers, are more comfortable with Instagram. TikTok is still new. We've talked before about how folks are spinning up entire divisions to take on TikTok and do more advertising there. So I, there may be a shift. Not saying we'll beat Instagram. We, TikTok, will beat Instagram in the next two years. But I think Instagram may see a decrease, especially because influencers are leaving Instagram. They're not happy with it. So if they're not there, we can't spend there. So there's that. Um, The report also notes that TikTok is still pretty cheap to get into and reach is high. So cheap is $175 per feed post, according to this, versus $225 on Instagram and $425 on YouTube. Check it out if you want more details on the pricing. But I guess if you want to do influencer marketing, you should definitely consider TikTok and now is the time. Some other quick things, despite budget cuts elsewhere, influencer marketing spends are on the rise, probably just because folks weren't doing it before. Um, U.S. marketers will spend $5 billion, an estimated $5 billion in influencer marketing this year, which is up a whole billion from 2021. And something really interesting that I found um, based on the folks that they surveyed, creator funds and tipping are essentially bullshit. No one is making anything on these things and creators are really hungry for those partnerships and that's where the revenue really comes from. And anyway, like I said, it's a long weekend. It's a 15-pager. If you're bored, give the whole thing a read. Speaking of reading reports, tales from social media, Reddit, Lazy mentors spent four hours reading 25-plus marketing reports, and here is what they learned. There's a lot of details in here. I will sum it up. Pinterest's new algorithm um, basically says, the Pinterest engineering team says that the new algorithm is based on posts um, that you have engaged with or pins that you've engaged with, the time you spend on the platform as well as the time you spend on those particular pins. And they're also focusing on repins and saves. So what that means for us as marketers is to just make sure that our pins are as engaging and full of information as possible to increase that time, I guess, spent on said pin. I don't know. Quick summary on TikTok. E-commerce and consumer report from TikTok says that 46% of consumers buy on a different day after a first brand touch point. I don't feel like that's a shock to anyone. Um, Discovery is happening on TikTok. Folks don't purchase if there's information missing that they want. There's a lot of like specific details in there. You can read it if you're into TikTok. Another high-level summary for y'all. TV is better than mobile ads for brand awareness and influencing purchase intent, but they're even stronger when they're paired together. I, whatever. I, they're very different mediums and used for very different reasons, but obviously, depending on what you're trying to do, you could try both and make them work together. Try Hulu. I've said that for years. Um LinkedIn had a B2B marketing report that they released. Uh, basically, 42% of B2B purchase decision makers find advertising boring. Um, so there's that. So up your game. Um, a study shows that the optimal balance between brand and demand 
60% branding, 40% direct response. Again, do what works for you, but it sounds like having a mix of creative and strategies makes sense. Um, LinkedIn users watch 79% of the in-feed video content with sound off. That's a key takeaway for me. If you're making video for LinkedIn, consider captions or just something that doesn't need sound at all. And then 40% of buyers say that most of the time spent on thought leadership content from B2B doesn't resonate with their specific needs. So rethink your creative people, rethink your assets, do a better job. Things are boring and they're not resonating on LinkedIn. Last up here in social People that are actually advertising on Twitter don't even want to anymore. This is from the Washington Post. More than a third of Twitter's top 100 marketers have not advertised on the social media network in the past two weeks, a post analysis found. An indication of the extent of skittishness among advertisers about Elon Musk's control of the company. This is completely unrelated, but when I was reading this tweet, I noticed last night that cocaine was trending on Twitter. I just want to make sure everyone's okay. That's a Hmm. personalized result. (laughs) <laughs> you know because you love the nets in 76 years too <laughs> i tried to figure out what it was it's too late and I, I don't see it anywhere and i'm not hmm. searching that i'm not actively searching that so now it's time for this week's wth misguided i hated all of that I'm like who does that <laughs> Get rid of that. where we rant rave and roll our eyes about a trending digital marketing topic. What are we coming to? Honestly, see what had us asking. W-T-H. This week. All right, this week's W-T-H is an article from Vox called The Weird Sorrow of Losing Twitter. And this came out on Tuesday. And it says, Grieving a loss when a loss is a hellbird sight that you weren't supposed to love. And it goes on to talk about the fact that so many employees were going to be lost that the most vital services couldn't be kept running on Twitter. And then talking about big Twitter spaces, talking about the demise of Twitter. What is happening? What are people, the the site's not going down. More people using Twitter than ever before. You can not use Twitter or use Twitter based on your own beliefs. That's great. I, I feel like everybody has lost it with Twitter. It's just a it, it's a spin now for everything. Like I saw an article that was talking about how Long Island communities are prepping for an outage of internet, like long term. But they started it with while everyone is mourning the loss of Twitter. Like what? Like it's it's, what? it's not, unrelated. Not one single technical problem since this takeover, and everybody's like in this article it says. Elon Musk is decimating Twitter. I understand that there are layoffs. Obviously, you're trying, you have to t- make this thing be profitable. What did you think was going to happen? But people are treating this like it doesn't exist anymore when it has all-time usage. I get it. Elon Musk is an eccentric person that I do not align with. But it still works and is the most engagement to date. What is it? Don't listen to this stuff if you care, like, but whatever. And we also have a segment, segments called Move Aside Taylor this week. We took a poll asking what type of artist or band you prefer, Mastodon, Taylor Swift, or Neither Show Me the Results. Neither Show Me the Results tied with Mastodon and Taylor Swift came in third. I voted in this poll. Did you? I, I feel like I'm once. responsible for this. Only yeah, I only once. voted once. Mm. 
but we had 23 votes, and Mastodon is more popular to our audience than Taylor Swift is. Sorry, Shep. I feel so validated. Shep, your thoughts? Oh, she's not here oh. to talk about it. Sorry. Well, too bad. And that brings us to our real-life segment, straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work, good, bad, or otherwise. This week, I discovered that there's this Webmaster Central tool that lets you view verification history for each of your Google Search Console properties, which is very handy if you're trying to see whether verification failed at any point, which is what I was trying to do. Or you can also see how an account was verified, whether that was through Google Tag Manager or another means. And you can see whose email made specific verification attempts if you need to get in contact with them. And you can also add owners to your Google Search Console properties from this page, which is really cool. So link in the show notes. All right. This week's working hard for me was what it should have been last week. It's Kberg. Woo! We've got some accounts, some SEO accounts that we were working on that, that Kberg's running. She made some unbelievable look-stud reports for these clients. It's awesome. Breaks down over the page level, the keyword level. Super cool. It's exactly what they wanted, and you did a fantastic job working hard. Thank you. Hardly working. Look-stud. Stop. Uh, Looker. She made these phenomenal hooker studio <laughs> reports. Working hard, Greg. All right. For me, hardly working. GA4. Had a nice little chat with Data by Sarah this week. And turns out that there's like a crazy, not crazy, but a delay, a data lag in traffic data coming through in GA4. She said that if you look at Today, even at 11.59 p.m., you look at your traffic and you look at it again tomorrow, there will be more sessions reported on. I've seen entire sources of traffic, like organic Google traffic, not even show up until the next day. And she said there's roughly about a 24-hour delay um, in some cases. So definitely widen your windows and don't look at today until tomorrow, essentially, in GA4. And there's also, she's coming on the show next week to talk about some API issues specifically with GA4 into Lookstud that make no sense whatsoever. Can't wait. And now for this week's cool tool. As a reminder, our cool tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners and is really, really cool. This week's cool tool doesn't have a formal name, but it's great all the same. It's from Danny Richmond at Danny Richmond on Twitter a free Google Sheet and script that will help you discover content opportunities based on terms your site is already ranking for, but that don't fully match the intent of the query. So identifying low-hanging fruit keywords, which he defines as search queries your site ranks for in position 4 to 20 on Google, the script then uses GPT-3 to classify these keywords by the degree to which they match the primary content topic, and then weak matches with high impressions could obviously be a great opportunity for new content, again, building on what you already have. So if you need help getting started with that, the script can also generate content outlines for those topics just to get the wheels going. Obviously, use your human brain to determine what actually makes sense for your site, but I know I don't have to tell you good marketers that. It's free, and Danny has a demo video if you want to see it in action. We'll have the link to his thread, which does include the download link as well, in our newsletter and on Discord. So pick your poison and check it out. Now it's time for our must-read marketing article of the week, an article so advanced so in-depth, so detailed, that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. So this week's must-read marketing article of the week comes from Rand Fishkin at Rand Fish on Twitter. I think he's mainly on Mastodon now, though. Okay. 
I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> so he shared a new post on SparkToro's blog in which a thousand plus websites Google Analytics traffic was analyzed and compared to estimates from third parties like Ahrefs, SEMrush, and more. If you read the study, you'll see that only 641 websites Google Analytics data could actually be used just because some of the data that they received was missing like different data points from different time periods and had some outliers. But anyway, the main study takeaways per rand was that you should always be skeptical of numbers from third parties. And I agree with this. For your own website, you should always be using Google Analytics or Google Search Console as your source of truth. But his findings are definitely something to keep in mind if you're doing competitor research on any of these platforms. And he also says you should not use Google Trends to predict how popular a website might be, which this also makes sense to me. If somebody's searching for Taco Bell, for example, they probably don't want the Taco Bell website and wouldn't necessarily click, but good to keep in mind. And Patrick Stocks replied to Rand's tweet, and he said that Rand was comparing apples to oranges with the study and that Ahrefs organic traffic data was correlated against data from all sources. The article in SparkToro never actually clarifies whether all traffic or organic traffic only metrics were used, but the use of Google Trends does imply organic traffic, but it's never specified. So definitely take this study with a large grain of salt, but you can read the study, which third-party traffic estimate best matches Google Analytics at SparkToro.com. And now on to our playlist of curated songs to work to, and you can listen over on playlist.marketingclock.com. I am adding Mansions, the band, the song Gorgeous this week. Everything is Automatic by the Matthew Good Band. Kbergs? I'm adding Move On Up by Curtis Mayfield. All right. It's very cheerful. And that does it for today's show. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock. If you're looking for more information on today's topic, head over to marketingoclock.com slash newsletter to receive every single article we cover. We share the news as it breaks in our Discord community. Head over to community.marketingoclock.com to join. Shoot in the heck. We're after our famous writer news shows. We don't talk about marketing anymore. We just shoot the heck. All right. And this week, we're playing a game from Jess. Jess invented this game. Invented it. It's brand new. Never been played before. No. It's called Silly Things We're Thankful For. Yeah. AKA. Guilty Guilty pleasure. pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Holiday edition. All right. So let's start off. Kberg, what is something that you are thankful for? A little silly thing. Okay. I'm thankful for the dog show that happens every (laughs) year. Yes. I love the dog show. Oh, you mean the Westminster dog show? Yes. Yes, it's a great conversation starter, and I feel like the old, like the ugliest dog always wins every single year. So. I don't know how you com- make all these breeds compete. It's like, how do you compare a male mutant with like a Labrador? I don't know. It's like apples to oranges. Like you just don't do that. Everybody knows. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. I do love that though. Yes, it's, it's great, my favorite part. Great way to get started. How do you feel about the puppy bowl? That's coming. Oh, I don't usually watch that one. It's Big footballer. Yeah. All right, Jess. <laughs> um, I I'm really grateful for left exits. Like most three-way yes. exits, you go to the right, mm-hmm. change it up. Make me pay attention when I'm driving. A good left exit is just like a little thrill, little thrill on the road. Left exits. Love it. Tables. Okay, so this is for people in the colder climates. I was never thankful for snow brushes until I didn't have one. So mm. when I came back from Florida, we had a lot of snow. I didn't have a snow brush in my car. 
and I had to manually like remove the snow. So yeah. that made me <laughs> realize how important it is, and I'm very thankful for snow brushes. You end up looking like an idiot, and you either choose something like a branch that's going to damage your cart, or you just have to wait for everything to like turn on and totally defrost. So. 100%. I actually had an umbrella in my car, and I had to <laughs> scrape off the ice yep, with that. Yeah, everybody's been there. Okay, something that I'm thankful for. Everybody seems to hate this, but I love it. The jet bridge bag check. Oh, that's a hack. That's yeah, a life hack. Because you get it most of the time. Sometimes they do put it through, and you have to go pick it up at the baggage carousel. But a lot of times you can just bring it through and it's just sitting there waiting for you. And it's like, I don't have to lug this thing on. I got two kids here. Like I'll just hand it off on the jet bridge and it'll just be there on the jet bridge when I get off. It's pretty nice. Where are they putting it during the flight though? I think it's just like under in like a little auxiliary holder. That's good to know. But Don't tell the people. It'll be full. No, everybody used to compl- pl- complain about it. I'm like, ah, oh, this. And it's like, no, it's actually nice. Now. That's great. Because yeah. those overhead bins are nothing to F with. It, yeah. And nobody knows how to use them, but that's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. All right, Kberg. Okay. I don't know if I can say this on the podcast, but I'm thankful that I don't work at Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could say that. <laughs> Why is that, Kberg? It just seems like chaos. <laughs> I don't need that in my life. Yeah. That's uh, it, it's pretty aggressive over there, although it's obviously, like we talked about earlier, happening with a lot of bigger tech companies as well. Yeah, very sad. Um, I'm super thankful when the universe is watching how people behave in traffic and somebody cuts you off and they're in such a hurry and they're totally rude and they don't use their turn signal and then they just end up at the same red light as you, a little traffic justice. Thankful. That's great. Also, Kberg, check your email. There's a marketing clock 2.0. Marketing clock 1.0 is going down. We need your full commitment. You need to sign out the Google form, yes or no, by 3 o'clock. Yeah, 80 hours a week, Kberg's. Okay. Okay. All right, tables. I am thankful for 24-hour diners because obviously if it's super late and you're hungry and you don't feel like cooking, that's the only place it's open. All right. I am thankful. And Jess, we were talking about this a little bit yesterday, but wet foods. I like the wet foods where you've got like a liquid food. It's the opposite of solid foods for those that aren't following. Yeah. Yeah, Like I'm just really into it lately. It's so much faster. You can just shake something up and you've got like a nice wet food you can just drink. Like drinkable foods. Yeah, because wet food is like when a cat gets pate out of a can. That's wet food. Yeah. So I guess. You don't eat that. You know what? I like wet foods too. (laughs) I like wet foods too. I'm here for that. Like gravy based food. I'm here for that. Syrups, things like that. I mean, on wet foods and drinkable foods. All right. K-Bird. Okay. I am also thankful for The Crown because I've been watching all of those episodes since the new season came out. Wow. So You're like a baby chef. I know. She loves that show. Yes. It's very good. I believe so, it. Highly recommend. Okay. And last one, Jess? I am thankful that there are folks out there that really enhance their product labels with statements like, contains clinically tested ingredients. <laughs> Nothing sells anything like the most ambiguous. Is it ambiguous? Yeah, inambiguous. In, whatever. Almost misleading. Yeah. And what? what but we're it says talking nothing. About, Jess and I love <laughs> reading the labels on a lot of these. Pro- we didn't a lot of these products that we take. <laughs> these performance enhancing products, and there was one specifically 
Well, some of them say, what was the one on the smelling salts? Oh, the smelling salts say legal and safe, which just makes me feel so confident inhaling this. But then it also says like right underneath it, never been tested. That's why. And then there's another pre-workout that says ingredients have been clinically studied. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Clinically studied. studied. Key ingredients. We don't know which ones. No. And we don't know what the results are. The study might have gone horribly off the rails. We don't know. It's good marketing. There was a study. Yeah. I am so thankful. All right, tables. Your last one. Okay, my last one is uh, kind of specific to the area, but I am very thankful that the Buffalo Bills are finally good these past few years. They've been terrible. I love how you are saying this. One day after the Detroit Lions mopped the floor Mm. with your poor, pathetic team. Yeah, well, they're still a Super Bowl contender, and I'm very excited. Okay, well, uh, something that that I'm also thankful for. Everybody's going to hate this. But I think if you think about it like this, you're actually going to love it. You go to get ice from the freezer. You load your cup up. Sometimes that one little ice, you move your cup away, that one little cube jumps out and falls on the floor. (laughs) I just think it's like this little buddy is trying to go get his friends. Every time. And it always makes me happy. He doesn't get to go see his friends. He goes in the sink. He thrown in the sink. (laughs) (laughs) I just love it. I just think this guy's like, wait for me. Like shooting out. Like I just love that little ice cube that falls out. It is a really fun toss too. Like it always gets tossed from right where you're standing. Like you're never walking Mm -hmm. to the sink with that guy. He he goes for a ride. And you did it right. It's it's just the underhand toss. Yeah. I feel like everybody does that. It is an underrated moment. All right. Well, hopefully y'all here in the U.S. have a wonderful holiday weekend and we will see you next week.